Hello, welcome back to Talking Dogs. I'm Graham Hall, but you can call me the dog father if you like. Over the last 10 years, I've helped train hundreds of dogs, and you, you might have caught me doing just that on TV's Dogs Behaving Very Badly. Well, now I'm here too. Hello. Uh, this podcast is the place where I can share my advice and experience to you directly. Because the thing is, my email inbox is always full of worried dog owners asking very good questions. And I do like to be able to help as many people as possible. I, I'm kind of nice like that. So uh, thanks for joining me. Let's get going with today's training session. Barking can be the absolute bane of a dog owner's life. Uh, potentially cute in short bursts, but it can be a, a real headache when it becomes incessant. Now, I always feel there's a difference between barking for attention and barking to make things go away. And I had a look at the former in last week's episode. So today I want to think about the other scenarios where your dog might really be trying to tell you something. So let's try and get into a dog's head. Now, whether we're talking about barking at the telly or, or the window or whatever it is, the point here is I bark and I bark and I bark and it goes away. Okay, so let's use the classic dog barking at the postperson example of this. So um, we've, we, we've all sort of seen this one. Postperson Patricia comes walking up the path and you and I know what she does for a living, right? But the dog doesn't. So he then decides to repel the intruder. So he barks and he barks and he barks. And he's fully expecting that he's going to get rid of this person. So what does Patricia do? Well, she obliges, of course. She turns on her heel and she runs away. Well... All right, you and I know she's not really running away at all. She's getting to the next house. But your dog says, ah, right, that's you going. So the barking worked. So it's a pretty simple thing. In psychology, there are some really basic sort of principles. And one of them is any behavior that feels rewarding increases. And sometimes we kind of get the wrong idea about that. A reward isn't necessarily a treat. It's anything that feels good. So you can see where I'm going with this, can't you? As far as Fido is concerned, he barked, postwoman Patricia went away, uh, all good, thank you very much, I'll do that again, right? So I bark, she goes, I win, marvellous. Now, if you could talk to him in doggy language and say, no, 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 mate, you've, 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 you've misunderstood, you've jumped to the wrong conclusion, right? She was going to go anyway, she, she was, Holly, watch, look, she's going from house to house, that's what she does, right? He would still say, um, no, I think you'll find... I barked, she went. What part of that don't you understand? Because <laughs> dogs are pretty logical. So the problem here is we can't take away the reward, the nice feeling he gets from watching Patricia apparently running away from him. We can't stop the postperson from leaving. And if you tried, it would probably be kidnapped, so I wouldn't advise that. So what do you do if you can't take away the reward? Well, you've got to make it feel more uncomfortable than the kick he gets out of seeing her go. So you've got to tell him off in the right way. And it's a similar sort of thing with the telly. So we know that that advert with the cat is going to end in about 20 seconds because they're not very long, are they, the adverts? He barks and he barks and he barks and he barks. There's a cat in the room. There's a cat in the room. Rah, rah, get rid of the cat. Get rid of the cat or the dog or whatever it is, right? 20 seconds later, it's gone. So I bark and I bark and I bark and the magic cat that appeared on the screen in the corner has now gone away. Uh, we can't really stop that cat going away. And it happens on certain programmes. So, for example, I don't watch Coronation Street, I've got to be honest, so it, it, it maybe this is still the case, but there was always a cat on a, on a roof, one of the terraced houses, and as soon as the Coronation Street music came on, loads of clients used to tell me their dog would just go bananas because they knew what was about to happen next, you know, so it's, da, 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 da. it's like, here we go, anyway, three, two, one, rah, rah, and their dog would be barking before the cat appeared. 
And sure enough, every single night, the cat would disappear again. It's probably worth noting, actually, while we're talking about the telly, that some dogs definitely do watch the telly, definitely get it. Uh, and other dogs don't seem to even see it. So when I had the two Rottweilers, Axel and Gordon, uh, I can't remember Axel in all of his life ever really watching the telly. He just didn't seem to see things that were going on there. But Gordon absolutely did. And he wasn't a problem with the telly, which was great, but he, he was he was intent. He'd just sit and watch the telly, and you could see him watching things go from left to right and that kind of thing. And then the very first time I was on the telly with dogs behaving badly, as it was then called, he was hilarious because he was sat between me and the, and the telly, um, my voice came on the telly and he looked up and there I was talking and he looked at me and he looked at the telly, <laughs> looked at me, looked at the telly and walked out of the room. <laughs> it's like, this is just too weird. My brain can't cope with this. There's two dads in the room. Bless him. So if you've got a dog barking problem like this and you can't take away the reward, the kick that your dog gets out of it, the obvious question is, well, how do you fix it? Now, obviously, barking at the TV is a dog behaviour issue that I care, well, deeply about because it, it limits your ability to watch my TV show, Dogs Behaving Very Badly, on Channel 5, by the way. Did I mention that before? Um, so I want to do my very best to help. Now, Karen has got this very problem with not one, but three dogs. Hello, Graham. I'm attaching a video of my three dogs reacting to an advert on the television with a cat. They're making it really difficult for us to be able to watch anything on the television that has anything that remotely resembles an animal in it, whether it's an advert, film, TV programme, whatever. It doesn't even have to be a real animal. It can be a cartoon, anything. And we're continually turning the television over time and time again to be able to watch something in peace. I'm wondering if you could give us any help, please. Well, many of us uh, have got more than one dog. And when you get a problem like this, if you're not careful, you end up like that. You know that cartoon character that, that's, that's looking two ways at once and two faces looking left and right? Well, it, it can be a bit like that. And it, it mayhem just reigns then. But often, actually, the case is if you really look at what's happening, and that's the trick, that's what I do when I walk into these situations. I split it up. I'm like, right, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where have you gone? Right, you're not a problem. I can forget you. Which of you two is that? Ah, you're leading it, right? So you'll often see that the there's one who's very much starting it, and then there's another one who goes, oh, really? Um, so it, it's clear where you should focus your attention. If, if there's one that you can stop barking where the others might follow suit, that's the way to go. Uh, really helpful that you sent the video, Karen, because uh, I think I can spot what's happening immediately. Uh, and by the way, if you want to have a look at what I'm talking about, what I've seen, then have a look at my Instagram page. It's at dogfather.graham. Uh, and my name is spelled G-R-A-E-M-E. -E. So uh, dogfather.graham. I'll post the video there and then you can sort of see for yourself. So there, there we are. We've got these three dogs and it's pretty obvious to me who's starting it. So we got one dog who sort of rushes in there straight away. Not long after, within about a second, dog number two goes, oh, right, OK, uh, I'll join you. And then eventually uh, another dog sort of comes off the sofa and goes, oh, what? Yeah. oh right, yeah, yeah. So you can see pretty easily that that there's one dog leading and two dogs following, in effect. Fix the leader, potentially you've fixed the others. 
what you could get, by the way, is you, you tell the main one off, and a bit like children, you then have to sort of quickly turn to the second one and do the equivalent of like, yeah, and you, <laughs> you know, because the second one's kind of go, ah, he's gotten told off, I'll try it. But try and divide your attention as best you can. So pick the one that's that's the main issue. So while we're on the subject of who's leading and, and who's following in all this, what often happens is that humans try and fix this by uh, shouting. Uh, and if it doesn't work, they'll shout a bit louder. And this usually happens from the sofa because you're watching the telly, right? Well, that seems perfectly natural, but actually it's not a natural leadership position behind. Um, the dogs have rushed forward. They're uh, leading the fight, getting rid of these intruders from the magic screen. And you're in the background bringing up a rear guard action, also barking. So you, you can kind of see the effect that's having. They're like, rah, rah, get rid of it. Rah. In the background, there's some humans joining in. So they led the fight. You became the follower. So you can scream and shout as much as you like. All you're actually doing is adding to the excitement and the mayhem that's in the room. So what you do need to do is get up out of your sofa, uh, get over there and block. You need to get between them and the screen. That's the key thing. They can then see that, oh, Blimey, right, you're telling me. Most dogs don't take no for an answer very quickly because uh, they're kind of desperate to get rid, and they've done this hundreds of times. It always works. So they'll sidestep your legs. It's like, get out of the way, get out of the way. You know, left and right. So all you need to do is calmly, but, but, but very swiftly, re-block, you know, so move them. No, uh, uh, no, you know. You could use a command for this. Uh, if you do, I'd, I'd choose one and stick to it all the time. There's no magic word that I could give you that's going to work, but something nice and, and clear like, ah, no, or stop, or even calm down. It's whatever comes naturally that you're going to repeat, because that will make it consistent. That's what I'd do. So the next bit is what you do when they calm down for a couple of seconds, or even, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter if the thing has now gone from the screen. They simmer down. Whereupon we usually, because we've now worked ourselves up into a bit of a frustrated state, um, the best we do is normally bite our lips and go, yeah, dog, right? Um, wrong. So the dog calms down. We should now be rewarding that behaviour because they got rewarded by the telly for barking, potentially. So the one thing we want more of, of course, is, is quiet. So when they are quiet, it makes sense. It's perfectly logical that we would then say, oh, good boy, that's nice. The problem is, it's logical, but it's not how our emotions work. We're not actually in a place where we're thinking, oh, that's lovely, I love you again. We're still thinking, you dog. <laughs> so... It's that ability to stay a little bit emotionally detached so that you can go, ah, no, no, ah, oh, good boy, that's nice. If you watch me on the telly, you'll often see that I tell a dog off and I go from bad message to, oh, good boy, good message quite quickly. And dogs get that. Their, their little brains simply go, right, barking at telly, bad, being quiet, good. Okay. And the more you do it, the more that habit then starts to overtake their natural instinct. If you're struggling with this, you might need a diluted version of the problem in the first place. And that's a principle I use with lots of dog training. In this case, it's like, right, okay, what's a diluted version of the full-on version of that, you know, favourite TV ad of the moment, or whatever it is? Uh, well, you, you could record it so you can play it again and again in, in, in training. Uh, you could turn the volume right down so it's it's very low. Or if your dog's more triggered by the visual side of it, you could turn the darkness down on your telly, the brilliance, whatever. So you... 
you potentially could have no visuals but just the sound and you could have a reduced sound or you, you can play tunes on that so to speak if you excuse the pun <laughs> but you're creating a version where the dogs are beginning to you know react a little bit i'm not happy but i'm not going to completely lose this and you can then react to that you can work with that retrain them with that and then of course slowly but surely you can bring that diluted version of the problem back up to the normal level right and if you're really clever you could even get to the stage where actually the telly's louder than normal um and the dogs aren't reacting and then you're really on a winner Another thing that you might be able to do, depending on the layout of your house, is tie a dog to something like the corner of the sofa so that if he's lashing out at you, because sometimes they get so excited they'll even nip. It depends sometimes on the breeds as well. I had a French bulldog that we filmed for a TV show recently where he, he would have a pop at you if, you if you stood in the way. So sort of tied him on a long lead to the corner of the sofa so he could he could leave the area of the sofa and come towards the telly, but he couldn't quite get to us, so we could practice it safely, but he still had some sort of freedom, if that makes sense. So that, that might be something that you could consider. It, it's probably worth just thinking about where this came from. Well, first of all, it's, it's probably a natural instinct. Um, if you've got a dog that sees things move, something moves, it looks like a little furry animal uh, and it's moving quite quickly in the corner of your living room, then you know, kind of natural that it, it might react to that. But when they first react to it as a puppy, we just think it's the cutest thing ever. And often that's where it goes wrong because they get the wrong signal. So they go, wah, 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 wah. right? <laughs> that's my impression of a puppy barking, by the way. We then go, oh, look, oh, he's trying to defend us from the cat and the telly. He's like, yeah, really cute, but don't do that. Um, it's just going to lead to something you don't want in a year's time. So uh, puppies do loads of things that are cute, but you probably don't want to encourage. The TV is a common example of something a dog might bark at in the house, but there are lots of distractions outside too, as Alice in Australia has found out. Hi Graham, I walk my neighbour's four-year-old English Cocker Spaniel and he won't stop barking when a tram drives past. It's on the way to the park so he knows exactly where they are and obsessively looks out for it. Then when it comes, he barks and spins around in circles, and even once it's gone, he continues to bark. I've tried saying a calm, good boy, in the second that he doesn't bark, and I've also tried moving further away and rewarding calm, quiet behaviour. And sometimes he doesn't bark when he's further away, which is lovely. But the closer I get, the worse it gets. I've even thought about taking him to a busy city tram stop, where they might be stood still and not moving, but I'm not sure if that's going to make it worse. Nothing long-term is changing. I would love your help. Thanks. Well, first of all, thanks for getting in touch from Australia. It's great to hear uh, people from uh, from lots of different places. And uh, interesting, too, that dogs are dogs wherever you are. Um, so I've had exactly that problem, Alice, in Nottingham. So walking along a street where there are trams on the way to a park, it's almost exactly the same thing, uh, the different side of the globe. So um, how do we fix it? Well, a lot of what you're saying is absolutely right. Your, your thinking is bang on. So you're rewarding the good moment. Sounds like your voice is really nice when you're doing that. You're trying to create that diluted problem by taking him away from the tram a little bit. And then you're hitting a problem when you're getting near it. It may well be that you just need to spend a bit longer bedding that good behaviour in at a distance uh, and doing more repeats of, yeah, yeah, you can hear it, but you're not reacting. That's a good lad, good lad, good lad. And then a little bit nearer. Make the graduations 
that bit smaller as well, a tiny bit nearer, a tiny bit nearer. I wonder what your telling off voice is like. Uh, bear in mind, he's probably a bit scared. I'm going to come to that in a second, why he's reacting to a tram. It's okay to tell him off as long as you're not sort of making him scared of you as well. So it needs to be very much that, uh, you know, you've heard me say it before, it's that uh, no, you know, no. So it's firm, you know, but not shouty or nasty. So there's a contrast between uh, uh, no, oh, good boy, you know, uh, and you may well be better than doing the nice, cute, good boy sound than I am. So let's talk about trams. It's an interesting one. Uh, we're seeing them in lots of different places. So uh, all around the world, in, in the UK, uh, we've got them in various cities. They do make quite a thundering noise. It's just completely different to a bus or a car or a lorry. And, and lots of dogs will react to all of those as well of course but they also send quite a vibration through the floor and dogs are more sensitive than us they're not wearing shoes like we are so as far as he's concerned it's an earthquake you know there's the sound of thunder it rumbles it gets louder and louder you can feel it through the floor bad things are happening and in nature that would be telling an animal that you better take cover there's something bad this way comes you know and of course he's learned to associate that with the thing that looks like a tram coming to towards him so our best hope uh, at convincing him that no it's fine it's a mode of transport man it's, it's okay it is for us to act in a in a sort of fairly normal way we need him to understand that yeah on the face of it it's a bit scary but it's okay really so if you're acting in a way that suggests oh Oh, here we go, there's a tram again, then that's not going to do it. It needs to be nice and, you know, keep upright, check your body language, right? If you look like you, you, you own the joint, you know, like the queen of wherever walking along, you're halfway there sort of thing. Here's a thought as well. If that vibration is coming through the floor, if you walk him on grass nearby, you're going to reduce the effect of that vibration. So that's a crafty way of creating a, a diluted version of a problem. Now, side streets are good too. Now, this is something that I do when we've got all sorts of traffic-related sort of problems with dogs. If you pick a road that's at a right angle to the main road, you can go down there and you can find the right distance from the main road where the dog's pretty much not really acting or maybe just a tiny little bit so there's something that you can cope with both of you and and you can just sort of circle around you know cr cross the road go around go up a bit come back a bit you know and do a little figure of eight do whatever you want but stay at roughly the same distance from the main road and you might want to do that for you know a few parts of the walk maybe go away again go to a parallel street make it nice and quiet for a while walk up and down so you get your steps in come back to that that training zone you might want to think of that so there's the sort of easy zone you know, a street away, there's the training zone where it's like, yeah, okay, we've got a bit of it going on, but we can cope, we can learn. And then you've got too close, the danger zone, let's call that. So operate in your training zone, get them used to it. And then as time goes on, and I mean, days and weeks here, probably, then you move that training zone. I mean, quite literally, a car length at a time, probably, nearer to the main road, a bit nearer, a bit nearer, and you'll get there in the end. Because the opposite is that you, you just go to that main road and, and just try and train him, uh, and he can't think straight, you can't think straight. You'll have no good behaviour to reward. So if you're going to tell him off, it'll just it's just been nagging, frankly. It's just like, no, 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 you know. So, Alice, you, you, you're on the right track, I think, if you'll excuse the pun. <laughs> I didn't think of that one. Um, by going a bit further away from the tram tracks, and that'll get your training <clears throat> on track. Sorry, I must stop now. In any situation like this, what we're not trying to do is, is force them to face their fears in a way that's dropping them in the deep end. 
right? You wouldn't want to go to the tram station and, and see them all rushing around and all the rest of it, but you might want to see a tram that was stationary and get him used to the sight of it with none of the other stimuli going on. There is a technique, you see, called flooding, which is all about, you know, you put a dog or a person, actually, in a situation where there's so much of the stimulus that, that makes them scared there that the idea is that they'll just learn to cope. So, so for example, you take a person who's terrified of spiders and you put them in a small room full of thousands of spiders and the idea is that they'll walk out half an hour later and go i'm cured now i've, I've learned to cope well they might or it might be just such a terrible overload that it was just a horrible experience and actually you've made the problem worse so flooding is one of those techniques where it's been a bit discredited really because yes it could work but it's just for me it's just way too risky you, you can't just overload somebody knowing that you might be making it worse uh, or possibly better it's just too much of a flip of the you know flip of the coin for me that so let's not do any flooding let's just start at a low level and then build it up bit by bit because we, we don't want to be traumatizing them do we or risking that so if you're with a dog and they are reacting badly to something like that so whether it's a tram or other traffic or anything like that if your dog starts to sort of spiral out of control, there's not much point running away from it at that point because you'll send out the wrong signal. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm scared too. Let's get out of here. All you can do is carry on as calmly as possible, but sort of say to yourself, okay, note to self, this was too much. I've tried too hard. I've messed up. Next time, let's start at a lower level of intensity. Yeah. But while it's going on in that moment, really all you can do is ride it out it's a bad experience and there's not much you can do about that so it's just like right put this one down to experience your panic and anxiety will only add to theirs well there you go that's it for today if you're still with me <laughs> and you've got a cheeky little dog you need help with well why not send me an email or a voice note uh, you can get in touch at talkingdogs at avalonuk.com and I'd love to be answering your questions soon. I'll be back here next week, but before then, do rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And you can even pass on your newfound wisdom to anyone who listens when you're out on a dog walk. Um, so look after yourself, your loved ones, and of course, your dogs. Bye for now. <laughs>